day can be found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, reading from verses 1 to 11. <clears throat> come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow came down from the heaven and does not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Enjoy the presence of God where we make connections with God and, of course, where he transforms our lives. So it's so uh, utterly important, isn't it? And it's a joy to do it uh, with uh, our church community, always. Well, it's Bible Sunday today. I'm feeling a little bleary-eyed, I've got to say. Uh, Kate's been away on retreat, and we, I took the children out yesterday, and we got home from Attingham. We'd been out there, and they'd been running around for hours. And uh, Heather said, I've got a terrible headache. And within an hour, she got a temperature of 40, and she was really, really rough. So, um, uh, yes, I've not had a great night. And so, but mummy's come home, and uh, all's well now. <laughs> poor, poor Kate, she had to come home from retreat. Never mind. Well... So it's Bible Sunday, and our theme, Thirsty for God's Word. So as we begin to explore what being thirsty is and our thirst, I'm going to tell you about a joke. A boy is sent to bed by his father, and then five minutes later, Dad, what? I'm thirsty. Please can you bring me a drink of water. No, you've had your check. This is like it was me saying this. No, you had your chance. Lights out. Five minutes later. Dad! What? I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink of water, please? I told you no. And if you ask me again, 
I'm going to smack your bottom. Not that we can promote smacking bottoms, of course, in this day and age. We can only call cars an S-max, which is obviously spelt smacks. But anyway, five minutes later, Dad, what? When you come to smack my bottom, will you bring me a drink of water? <laughs> when children say they're thirsty, they really are thirsty. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Notice that with my children. They need a drink right now. They're not like us necessarily where we've planned, you know, the times when we have a drink. Oh, no, around about 11 o'clock, you know, put the kettle on or go to the staff room or, or whatever it is. And you have a drink then or before you go to bed, you know, around about 9 o'clock or whatever. You might know to the, you know, to the minute like 9.14 or something. You might, mightn't you? But, you know, you have a drink then. Well, children, they don't do that, do they? They just go along. And when they need a drink, they need a drink straight away, right now. No matter where you are, you can be on the M6, can't you? And they need a drink. But somehow, as adults, we learn to live with our thirst, to put off that next drink and to neglect our need for water. And this can be true of our physical thirst, but also our spiritual thirst. We can be thirsty for God. We can sense that our purpose and meaning in life in some way is lacking. We can be desperate for some relief from either burdens of guilt or disappointment or a sense of those feelings. We can be aware that God is calling us to reach out with some care, with love and justice to others around us, but know too that we are lacking the courage or the conviction or even the enthusiasm to get on and do it. And just as with physical thirst, spiritual thirst and neglecting that, can lead to some long-term health problems. Maybe not bladder infections or dehydration. Maybe instead we feel isolated from God. Maybe we feel like we're in a, a desert place, a barren place. Feel like we lack energy or enthusiasm for following Jesus. Lack enthusiasm or energy for worshipping God. Or to be part of our church community. In short, we can become parched, desperate for a drink for one reason or another. A drink that only God can provide. Why are you thirsty at the moment? What's causing your thirst? What is it? It's got to be something. Be honest. Is your faith dwindling? You feel like it isn't what it was or what it, you want it to be? Are you struggling to see where you fit? Are you running out of enthusiasm for Christian community or Christian community in a particular way? Are you living what seems like a stroll in the park when really you sense that what God has in store for you is an epic adventure of faith? Are you living off someone else's beliefs? Or faith because you feel like you're in a spiritual no man's land. I've been in that place too. Are you dissatisfied? Are you moaning but struggling to muster the passion to be the change that you want to see? Do you lack the courage, the ideas or the strength to play your part in God's mission and his church community? Are you lacking the bravery to live as a follower of Jesus? Because let's face it, it needs bravery. Where you work, with your family, 
or with your friends? Has life taken its toll and dampened your love for God and your awareness of his love for you? Or is your thirst rooted in a combination of some or all of these things? I know what it is for me. What is it for you? What's causing your thirst at the moment? Come, all who long for God, all who are thirsty for him, come to the waters. Come, all those who are hungry. Come and enjoy rich food and drink at no cost. Come and have your hunger satisfied. This is God's fabulous promise to us all. He will provide. He's the one who will quench our thirst and satisfy our hunger. And the picture painted for us by Isaiah isn't one of picking up the crumbs from under the table or even of a meager meal or a few drops of water. It's a feast of fine food, a rich banquet, the abundance of fresh living water. And in the light of such a promise, knowing this full well, Isaiah puts a challenging question from God before us. And he does this in chapter 55, verse 2, that we heard read for us. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what doesn't satisfy? Why look to ultimately empty things to satisfy the deep thirst and hunger that you have? Why obtain things that don't really feed you? Why spend time and effort on pastimes that actually neglect our need for God and put off actually facing up to that. Now, of course, God isn't saying that to have bread to eat and working hard to buy things is wrong, but that looking to those things instead of God to satisfy those deep thirsts and hunger that we have is actually futile. And of course, God's question is a good one. And as ever, God puts his finger right on it. But as I've said, we can learn to live with thirst and we can put off the need for our next drink. What things are you and I looking to satisfy our thirst with instead of God? What is it that we're looking towards? We each need to face up to God's question. Every single one of us. But in church, it's so easy and it really is so easy. To imagine that someone else will take responsibility for us. Take responsibility for my faith or my worship or my giving or my part in God's mission. And we can selfishly look to others to bring us God's food and drink. And I can do this as much as anybody else. But God makes it clear what we should each do. Every one of us. Listen. Listen to me, he says, and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear to me, hear me, that your soul may live. He says that in verse 3 of chapter 55. God's promise is one of life. Life in all its fullness. And this life is waiting for us. Life with fulfillment and purpose and meaning. It lies ahead on the adventure. If we feed on God's, God's life-giving word. As Christians, we tend to think of feeding on God's life-giving word in two ways. Two main ways. Firstly, by coming to church 
to be fed by others, a little bit like you are now. You've had a reading given to you, and now you're having a sermon given to you. And secondly, by retreating into a quiet time to read and reflect on the Bible alone. Now, it must be said that whilst those two ways of key ways of receiving God's word, feeding on his word, they are not the only ways, not by any stretch of the imagination. But when these two ways are used primarily without any other way, I think, I believe, we can become quite self-indulgent. I'm going to explain why. We run the risk of turning up to church to appreciate and evaluate the food we're being given like food critics. We say things like, that was a nice sermon, or you got that right, or you didn't get that right, or that sermon did nothing for me. Worse still is the fact that sometimes we do nothing with the words, absolutely nothing. The food and the water we've received from God, nothing. We don't feed on it. We don't absorb the challenge of it. We resist it questioning or impacting our lifestyle or our behavior. In short, we sip on the water that God provides and we nibble on the banquet he lays before us. Now, God doesn't just say, come to me and listen. He says, come to me that your soul may live, that you may delight in the richest affair, food to satisfy your hunger and water to quench your thirst. God's word makes a difference. It has an impact. Now, as a church, we can fall into this very narrow understanding of what it is to come and hear. Do you think that God only ever intended that to happen by people sitting in rows, listening to one person in a pulpit? How did Jesus go about showing us how to come and listen to God and feed on his rich food and drink from his life-giving water? Well, let's take a look. Mark's gospel story of Jesus gives us a huge clue because he records the parable of the sower that Jesus told on the shore of Lake Galilee. Instead of the image of food and drink, Jesus employs the idea of a farmer and he's sowing seed. Jesus makes it clear that the aim of his followers is to be like seed thrown on good soil. And then to, as to punch this point home, Mark tells us what it is to be good soil. That it's people who hear God's word, accept it, and produce a crop. So it's not just hearing God's word. It's people who hear God's word, accept it, and then produce a crop. A crop, that Mark says, is 30, 60, or even a hundred times what was sown. Now, I don't know about you, but that is challenging for me. That is a challenging idea for us as church-going Christians who expect to be fed with very little effort or input on our part. The seeds of God's word needs to fall on the good soil of our lives, our hearts and our minds and our wills and our dreams and our aspirations, all receptive to the life-giving word of God. 
God's word is then to take root. It will be watered by a Christian living. And then it will make a difference to our lives and our attitudes and our relationships. And then it will produce an outstanding crop. The idea is that it will produce far more than was sown. By cooperating in God's work, we will help produce God's harvest. And so then we see from Jesus that coming to listen to God's word, being fed and watered by him, is an active occupation of receiving, accepting, and then producing. It's not just about the inactive, passive listening of people sitting in rows, nodding or shaking their heads, and then nothing. Having slipped into this mentality, and we all do, it's no wonder that we can get ourselves into a pickle. Because we just end up sipping or nibbling. Sipping or nibbling. And we can all do it. God longs for his word to make a difference to our lives, to transform, to heal, encourage, to call, inspire, challenge, convict, equip, and send. Isaiah's prophecy tells us that God's word makes life flourish like rain waters the ground and makes the plants grow. But this won't happen through self-indulgent, apathetic, nibbling, and sipping. Maybe coming and drinking, by following Jesus' example, is as much about hearing God's word by being out and about, in relationship, making friends with our communities or this community, in care, in justice, in community, in work, and in family. As much as it is about sitting on our bottoms, listening to someone spout on. God wants us to drink from his streams of life-giving water. To feast on the richest of food so that this water and food are shared with others to produce a crop in us and them. Come all who are thirsty, cries Isaiah. God wants his word to work in us, to work in others. It's God's desire to meet our deepest needs so that we can help him and join with him as he quenches the thirst of other people too. We come to drink from the water of life because we're aware of our own thirst. There's no doubt of that. But when we do something powerful, something truly amazing occurs. God's living water is so full of life that it literally bubbles up within us and overflows to others with God's life and his love. About ten years, well it is ten years ago, when Kate and I were 30, we went to Barcelona for a few days away. And it's a great city, Barcelona. And we'd been out for a meal one night and it had turned dark and we, we went back to our hotel room. And when we were in the hotel room, we heard what sounded like one person beating a drum. And then that noise became what sounded like tens of people beating a drum, which turned into a sound like hundreds of people beating a drum. And the, the noise got louder and louder. And it sounded like whoever was producing the sound was getting nearer and nearer. And we looked out of the window and we couldn't see anybody. The street was deserted. Not a soul. And so as we looked more carefully, it was really bizarre. 
We thought, where on earth is this noise coming from? And then we, we began to notice in the dark people standing on their balconies and the surrounding apartments and people through the, we could, through the windows of their surrounding houses. We could see people beating the bottom of saucepans, beating the bottom of bins, beating the bottom of tubs as one. This, this rhythm, the rhythm of one became the rhythm of many. And subsequent, subsequently we found out that it was in protest at the war in Iraq. The rhythm of one became the rhythm of many. I want us to see this as an example of how the living water of God's word bubbles up in us and then impacts others. What God does in one will then impact many. And it should do. And that's what God's word is sent to achieve. And so this is why we're celebrating Bible Sunday today. To encourage one another to find ways of put, putting God's fresh, living word into action in order to bless others. So that we can receive his word, accept it, and then produce with it. One of the ways we're going to be doing this is by encouraging one another to give money to purchase new Bibles. I mentioned this last week. The PCC and myself are encouraging us all to give money to purchase new Bibles that you'll find in the seats in front of you because some of ours are quite tired. But we feel that this is so important to put God's word into action that for every Bible you pay for, we're asking that you pay for another one for our friends at the Church of the Holy Spirit in Halscott, just the other side of town. We pray that our generosity will impact the others that we are trying to bless. And we want to put God's word in action so that it does that. You can, of course, gift aid the money, and that will add uh, more value to your gifts and enable us to buy more Bibles. All you have to do, if you're writing checks, is make them payable to Christchurch PCC. Now, this isn't someone else's responsibility. This is our responsibility. If I had a pound for every time somebody came to me as vicar and said, what are you? I think to myself, what am I? I'm not the church. <laughs> it's we. So this is our responsibility. So please put your gifts into the Bible uh, giving basket at the back of church at any point during May. And at the end of the month, we're going to add up the money given plus the gift aid. And then we're going to divide it equally between here and our friends with Halscott. So the more money you give, the more we can purchase. It stands to reason. Every Bible is £8.50. So two Bibles, £17. Now you might have other additional ideas of how you can put God's life-giving word into action. That might be something local. It might be something global. But you might be inspired to make a positive difference to the lives of others. A number of you have shared these ideas with me already. One or two of you in the hope that I will do something about it. But these are your ideas and you can do them with God's help. I promise though that I'll be praying that you have the inspiration and the courage and the enthusiasm to do it. Whatever God's asking you to do. So to finish then, I want you to think, why are you thirsty for God at the moment? What's causing your hunger and your thirst? 
God's promise is a fabulous one. He will satisfy our hunger and he will quench our thirst. But this won't happen through passive listening, putting it off, expecting someone else to bring God's food to you or to me. Instead, let's actively get involved in listening to God's word by receiving it, by accepting it, and then producing with it and in response to it. Allow God's living water to bubble up within you and to overflow to others with his life and love. Don't learn to live with your thirst. Don't put off your need for a drink. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Hear me, that your soul may live.